Oh, what's happening, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Cross Up. I'm Bob Wankel alongside Anthony Sanfilippo. And Anthony, uh, tough one in game three for the Phillies uh, out in Arizona. We talk about the energy and the fans at Citizens Bank Park, and I don't know if that played a role in what we saw in game three, but it just looked like a team that was a little bit flat. And frankly, I was surprised uh, that they struggled the way that they did against Diamondback starter Brandon Fault. And, uh, you know, then it came down to the bullpen and, and Craig Kimbrell couldn't be bothered to pitch to the timer, couldn't be bothered to hold on runners, couldn't be bothered to throw strikes. And uh, it was a disastrous ninth inning. And here we are. Uh, and we have a series now. And I guess in some ways that we, we expected it to have somewhat of, of a series here. I don't know that we at any point thought the Phillies were going to win this thing in four, but a disappointing result nonetheless. Yeah, I was, I'll tell you, Bob, I, I you know, I, it was, it was tough for me um, to, to really kind of dive in, especially late in the game, because um, I was doing the Flyers, the Snow the Goalie pregame show, but we had it on TV, like literally right in front of us. It was right across. We we're up at the sports book at the Wells Fargo Center, and it, they have like a, a wall of televisions, and it was on three different TVs. And it, the, the version that it was, it was funny because they were all different times. So like, like you're like trying to watch the one, and then you're like, oh, but the other one's earlier, right? So you're trying to go back to the other. Um, but I was, I, li- I watched pretty much the whole game um as best i could and tell me if i'm wrong it looked like three people showed up to play this game and the three people that showed up to play were ranger suarez jeff hoffman and jose alvarado and the rest of the team was still left in philadelphia yeah, I, I think it, that's, that's more or less fair bryce harper's on base a couple times brandon marsh had a hit early but i mean yeah. no n- nobody in the lineup really came came with it yesterday and you know, it's funny when you only have three hits, you only have a couple of bats with runners in scoring position, a couple late. Uh, you look at it and say, like, you're not going to win a game in the postseason with three hits. But it's funny. They, they really kind of had some opportunities to do it anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't mean that just in the way that they failed to protect the one nothing lead in the seventh or that, that Kimbrell failed to get out of the ninth. And what was I just thought really just a a horrendous inning I I truly do and uh, I want to dig into that in a little bit but I mean you go back and look at some of the missed opportunities they stranded Brandon Marsh earlier in the game after a one-out double and I really thought the key was and nobody's really going to talk about this but the inning that they actually took the lead in the seventh they have a situation where they can kind of blow this game open and you get a first and second you get Bryson Stott at the plate and he gets a three, one count and you're thinking to yourself like, okay, this is either ball four or a great matchup for him. He's going to get something in the zone. He's going to hook it into right field. They're going to score a run, set up a second and third. Like you thought that that was the, the situation where they were going to break this game open and put multiple runs on the board. And they were lucky to get one, you know, Stott hits into the double play, which is kind of unlike him. You expect him to sort of seize the moment. It doesn't happen. They do benefit from the wild pitch. And then they immediately give it back. And frankly, you could look at it the other way and say they were lucky to escape some of the jams they did mm-hmm. until they finally broke late. So it's just one of those games. It's a game that you felt was entirely winnable. At the same time, it you, you kind of felt it coming. It just sort of felt like they didn't have it yesterday and that the longer you let someone hang around this deep into the postseason, like these teams are good too. They, they'll make you pay and, and, Arizona made him pay yesterday. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you another person that I didn't think have had a great game is is Rob Thompson. Um, I can't for the life of me understand why 
it was Kirkering in a one nothing game when you've yet to bring him in that kind of leverage situation. You had opportunities to do that in in the previous series. You know, even with it being close, every time he's come in has been pretty low leverage, right? And so why is he the guy you're going to having not pitched in a one-run game in who knows how long? Um, that surprised me. Yeah, like how, how many guys do you see mop up a, a 10 nothing win and then also come in to protect a, a one nothing lead on the road in an NLCS game a couple days later? I mean, it's just it's a weird mix for him. And I yeah. do think, like, full disclosure here, because we're getting a lot of new listeners coming in during the playoffs, and, and I'll let you go. But, you know, Anthony, you're not exactly the guy that, that writes the what is Rob Thompson doing column. You know, you're uh, no, typically I'm a, in, I, in the corner of the manager. Yeah, I know. I like the manager. I think the manager does a really good job. And yet, I, I don't know what he was doing with, with that decision. It kind of, and I understand you had to go with, you know, an inning and two thirds with Alvarado. And you had to use Hoffman to get out of trouble early, which again I I'm not a fan of. But every manager does it in the playoffs. They start pulling their pulling their starters who are pitching well. And both guys did it yesterday. I mean, in all honesty, both Tori Lavolo did it. Lavolo did it with Fout, yeah. and and then um, and Thompson does it with with Ranger. Um, although Rangers, I thought was a little bit more. It made a little bit more sense than when Arizona did it. Um, so I'm not a big fan of that, and, and yet you're looking at it and say, okay, well, I guess we're going to go Kirkering here, and, and a one-run game, and he hasn't been used in that spot. And then when you go to Kimbrell in the ninth, and I understand why you go to Kimbrell in the ninth, and it's obvious the guy doesn't have it. Got to face his first few batters. Okay, fine. When you get the pl- the out at the plate, and the and and the Diamondbacks, you know, don't advance the runner from second to third on this on a play on that same play. Like he did second and third, and it walked a batter, and in the play at the plate, and the runner from second is not really advancing. Like, I don't get it. Like, I just don't get what happened there. But at that moment, you sit there and go, "All right, we got we we got away with one. Get the guy out because he's not he's not doing well." And you had Strom ready to go, and he sticks yeah. with Kimbrel. The second, yeah, I, the second walk is the one that killed me, that, yeah. which was to – was that Perdomo? Yes. That's the one that killed me. That yeah. was like, I cannot believe he's in for this. So if you go back and, and play this inning out, I, I hear you on, on the Kirkering move. It's it's a lot for a kid in that spot with such a lack of experience, major league experience, let alone, you know, postseason experience. Yeah. It's, it's a big ask. And, you know, uh, he's pitched in some – tighter spots you know you go back to Atlanta game one like it's not like hey this is the first time we've ever handed the ball when it mattered but it's a different it just felt like a different ask there uh, I was surprised they did it um, I think it's certainly an indictment of the way they feel about Sir Anthony Dominguez right now um, and it didn't work out and they're lucky it, it wasn't worse I, I do though in the moment feel like they have a lot of confidence in the kid they obviously felt that he was capable of pitching that inning. It it didn't it didn't work out, and so I don't want to clobber like I, I in real time. If I'm being if I'm being honest, I was like, this is interesting, but I didn't go. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. What are they doing? Like that wasn't that wasn't my reaction. Um, the ninth inning, though, I wanted to rip my hair out, and I, I wanted to do it for the reason that you said. In addition to this, like if you go through that ninth inning. It was what I would call an unprofessional 
performance. I, I really felt that way. You come in with Kimbrell, and I don't, I don't hate that he's in the game. I know a lot of people are going crazy over, you know, Kimbrell in a tie game. It's not what he does. It never works. My thing is you have to make your pitches and you have to execute, especially when you're a veteran who's on the fringe of the Hall of Fame. Like, I need you to show up and, and do your job. And it's one thing to come out and walk the leadoff hitter, but it's it's the things that we talked about all year with this guy that in a huge spot, in a game where they can just drop the hammer on Arizona, he comes out and, and does all of the things that we were worried about throughout the duration of the season. Lead off walk, makes no attempt to hold on a base runner. In that leadoff walk, he almost had a pitch clock violation that would have led to ball four. Like JT Romuto had to go out to the mound yep. and, and talk to him and, and stop the clock because he's not ready to go. Like, are you kidding me? It's the NLCS, man. It's a tie game in the ninth inning. You're not ready to go because you got to do your, you know, your pre-pitch, whatever the hell you want to call it. Like that to me, it just can't happen. Like that, that's, I thought that was embarrassing. And then you, you don't hold on the runner. You you get the reprieve. Your defense bails you out because you've, you've essentially lost the game at this point once you have the runner on third. Your defense makes a great play. And then you can't bear down and throw strikes to Perdomo? Like, come on. What, like, what are we doing? And, and, and in that moment, when they make the play, I'm thinking to myself, you got a reprieve, Rob. Like, this guy does not have it. This is an opportunity to get him out of the game. Go to Strom, go lefty lefty, and play to the tenth. And they didn't do it. I, I guess because it's a nod to their their belief in his veteran savviness. Well, I, I mean, come I'll on. I'll tell dude. you what. I the reason I think he didn't do it is because of you know you get to Marte at the top of the lineup, and Marte is a better hitter right handed than left, and okay. so. I, so I mean, I don't, I'm not defending that. Again, I think it was wrong. I think this is one of those situations where you have to read the room and not worry about what's on your paper. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Not worry yeah, about you, what you're, you have to you're, watch. What you have to yeah. watch what you saw in that inning and say he does not have it. This does not feel right. And go get the guy and live to fight another out. Like who cares about Marte if you can't get the guy out in front of you? You know what I mean? Like it yeah. just. It just um, it was it was very frustrating, and I'm sure fans like you, you kind of have to reset. And like the morning after, you sit there and say, like, listen, they're up two to one. They still have home field. They have a bullpen game tonight against an Arizona bullpen that's not particularly impressive. This still favors them, and you have Nola and Wheeler in the chamber, and you've got uh, what a seven and two postseason record. Like, let's everybody take a deep breath here. Hey, it's yeah. fine. And, like, we can have that conversation, but that does not mean that in the moment when you have an entirely winnable game or a game that you're you're competing in, you know, you, you as a fan, like, you, you want to rip your hair out when you can't execute in that spot. And they didn't execute in that spot. Yeah. I, I, look, I, I, I have no defense of Craig Kimbrell whatsoever. Uh, it was a terrible – everything you've said is, is right. But I, I do want to shift it back a little bit here, Bob, because – Craig Kimbrell is not the reason they lost this game. It is not. He was he was the the you know he lit the wick on fire. But I mean, it, it, this thing was kind of smoldering long before Craig Kimbrell ever saw the light of day. And 
you have to – while we can talk about the managerial decisions with the relief pitchers all we want, the Phillies looked terrible at the plate against Brandon Fout. And, and you know, I, at the beginning of the game, I was actually listening to the TBS broadcast because they, they had the volume on at the, at the arena. Um, and then eventually they, you know, had to turn it off because the warm-ups were happening. And, you know, I was on on the uh, on the live show, so I couldn't really listen even when I was watching. They were making it sound like this guy was was Roger Clemens, right? I mean, like the way he, he was throwing nothing special, and the Phillies were just swinging at pitches that were so far off the plate. They were trying to be uber aggressive with him, and I get it, but it's not like his fastballs that were over the over the plate were coming in at ninety eight. They were coming at ninety three, and yeah, the Phillies were swinging. Through. The yeah. Phillies were swinging through them. And they were they were chasing pitches and, and guys who had not been chasing at all yeah. this this playoff season had been ch- were chasing. I mean, Turner struck out on a bad pitch. Cassiano struck out on a bad pitch. Real Muto all of a sudden looked back looked like JT Real Muto who couldn't hit a ball back in August. Like I mean, it was it was crazy all of a sudden how these guys just fell into this bad habit together. Yeah, all at once. The uh, the first time through the order was especially tough to watch. They they really expanded the strike zone. They really, I yeah. mean, multiple strikeouts finished with balls that were anywhere between what six to eighteen inches off of the plate. I mean, they really opened things up. And then again, with Dan Iasonia behind the plate, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about Dan Iasonia because the last I, I I get it. Like you, you sit there and you watch an umpire that's that inconsistent, that's that poor, and is notoriously bad to begin with. And it's hard not to say, come on, like that, that's not good enough behind the plate. We got to have better, but I can't in my, my list of reasoning say like, okay, that he played a direct role in that loss yesterday. I just won't do it. You know, I think that there's enough blame to go around on the, on the guys that play the game to kind of absolve the umpire. Um, But man, he was (laughs) for being real about it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the first time through the order, they, they really took some poor at bats. Uh, I thought that they would get to them in the second time through, uh, and the numbers sort of support that. Like if you look at fault, you, you, you see what he's done this season. And I, I mean, <laughs> here you go. Like opponents the first time through had a 703 OPS against him this season. The second time through they had an 859 OPS the third time through, which is why Tori Lavola went out and got him which is why it was always going to be two times through the order and nothing more. Opponents were hitting 397 with a 1.193 OPS against against them. So, like, I understand why they actually took him out, even though he was pitching so well. Uh, it was it was a surprising development, though, because you look at the statistics, you see the 572 ERA, you know that he's not great at home. He had been okay in those two postseason starts or appearances, but it, you just expected them to do enough. Like, I, I thought he threw the ball better and and was better than than what I expected. If I'm if I'm being blunt, but there was no reason to go, you know, three for twenty eight. <laughs> there was no reason to strike out as many times as they did. Um, you know, it's baseball; it happens. But it, it, what a bad time for it to happen! This, yeah. this wasn't a throwaway game in the middle of June, and I know they they point to we had not seen him before. Like that was the, the rallying cry. Like, well, you know, we've never seen it before. We, you know, we saw video, but it's different. Like, come on. We, we keep talking about what this lineup had been 941 OPS, 
the 284 batting average, 366 on base percentage, historic offense, unprecedented. You got to go out and, and get me more than three hits. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, it just I thought their approach was bad, and, and and it was bad. I think from the beginning, Bob, in the sense that even before the game, look, I, I'm not one of those guys who says that you know, oh, they didn't take batting practice. That's why they didn't hit. Right. But let's be honest. The last time you batted in that stadium was in June, early June. Like, don't you think you might? Uh, let's readjust to the batter's eye out there. Let's just get you know, just couple, even if it's a couple swings, just to kind of get used to it. Because, yeah, you're right. You've not seen the pitcher. They have that, whatchamacallit, tracks machine or whatever the heck it's called, where you can actually actually have the you know each pitcher's delivery mm-hmm. from the, from your perspective, and you hit, hit off that machine. Harper hits off it all the time, all the time, which and he doesn't take regular BP. He just takes that, which makes you wonder, is, there, is he on to something? Like, is there something yeah. to that thing, right, where he can actually hit off the, the pitcher before the pitcher comes into the game? Um, like, they didn't they don't do this like i don't know it's like what was the mentality going in like oh we don't need it i think i think what you do is you say like we're so locked in right now we're getting so many good swings up and down the lineup let's let's just take our work inside let's take our work in the cage focus on what we need to focus on and not worry about getting out there and lifting and, and maybe creating bad habits and i mean there's there's a thought process behind that but well, it did. It yeah, didn't it, work. Whatever that thought process did not was, work out yesterday. Bur- burn, burn that sheet and and say let's yeah. not let's not pull that one out again. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I came into it, Bob, a little bit feeling a little bit differently going in, and I may feel different now than I did yesterday. But I I kind of felt like yesterday was a more important game to get than today. Um. Because you had Ranger Suarez on the mound, and boy, was he good. Yeah, he was, was awesome. he good again? I mean, right now, there's nothing you can you could take away from these from these starting pitchers because Wheeler, Nola, and Suarez have been sensational in the playoffs. I mean, better than any. I, I can't think of another top three in any playoff of of my re- recent lifetime that came out and just dominated the way they they they're doing. Maddox Glavin Schmoltz shit right now is what they're doing. I mean, that's how good they are. Yeah. Um, and I, like, you didn't get need to give them a lot. Like, I, I, oh, it's just that's where the frustration is. Like, I believe that going in, that was the game to win out there. That this would, that tonight would be the one that you go, if they're going to lose one, it's probably going to be game four. And not because, not because they're throwing anything good at you. It's just that I felt like, okay, you're going to get a bullpen game. Sometimes those are tricky because it's a little bit hard to navigate matchups that are, right. you don't know who's coming when, and you got to kind of navigate that. And you're throwing in a fourth starter. Now, I, we were all under the impression from everything Rob had said um, to this point that it was going to be Taiwan Walker. And I firmly believe that if they won yesterday, it still was going to be Taiwan Walker tonight. That being said, I feel like, now that they are in in a series, they don't want to risk it being Taiwan Walker, and they're going to throw Christopher Sanchez in Game Four, which makes me feel a little bit better. So you think if they were winning the series three nothing, it would be nod to the veteran. He's been on the top step the whole playoff run. He won fifteen games. We're we're going to give him an opportunity here. 
Yeah, well, I mean, because but now that like, it's time to actually win the game, they're going with the guy that feels better. Is that well, what it's you're not, saying? It's not, it's not, I don't think it's that simple. Um, I but it, you're not far off. I, I I think probably the thought process was if you win game three, you've kind of broken the Diamondbacks, the spirit and their will, so that even if you get you know, even if Taiwan Walker has a typical Taiwan Walker start and you get behind three to nothing after two innings. Yeah. It's not the end of the world because you have a three-game cushion, mm-hmm. right? Whereas now it's two-one. If Taiwan Walker's out there and you get behind three to nothing, all of a sudden this Diamondbacks team believes again. Yeah. Oh shit, we can win this series, and you don't want to put them in that position. Um, I still don't think that they believe they can win the series right now. I think Arizona looks at it and feels like, all right, hey, we grinded, we got one, but man, they didn't play great. I mean, they didn't hit well. So you know, other than Cattell Marte, who hit for them? Um, so like I, I think that I think Arizona's kind of looking at this like, all right, we live to fight another day, but boy, we don't feel great about it. Whereas if you if you go out there tomorrow tonight and they're jumping all over your starting pitcher, then then all of a sudden they're feeling themselves again. And that's what you don't want. And so I think that's why it's Sanchez and not Walker. I, I've advocated for Sanchez getting the ball in this spot. I thought that he he won that opportunity on merit uh yeah. he strikes he was effective in september he he flashed a pitch that that actually had some swing and miss to it with the change up and now you just wonder about the layoff you know it's it's been three weeks three plus weeks so can he maintain the, the role that he was on after essentially being shut down? You know, they throw simulated games and they get their work in. It's not like he's just been sitting around collecting dust for, for almost a month, but it's different. And it's certainly different when you're in the playoffs and you're pitching with pressure on the road in an LCS game. And so there, there's a lot of unknowns going into this, as there are anytime anybody takes the ball. But, you know, we have not seen him do it yet in October. And so you're in a little bit of a hold your breath. Uh, hold your breath spot and before we kind of look ahead and uh take you know break down game four i i just want to go back and you said it you felt like with ranger suarez on the mound as good as he's been in the postseason throughout his career that this was an opportunity yeah. because you on the other side of it no matter what they were bringing to the table no matter if he pitched the game of his life or he didn't you felt like ranger suarez was a significant advantage over to anything that the Diamondbacks were going to put out there. And at least if this thing were to get to a seventh game, which nobody wants to see, you do feel good about giving the ball to Ranger Suarez in the biggest of spots back at home. This postseason in three games, he has a 0.64 ERA in 14 innings pitch, a 0.64 whip. His, his postseason career, he has a .94 ERA in eight games, .84 whip. I mean, you're talking about – you start looking at guys that have appeared in more than a handful of games. You start looking at that ERA. You start looking at, like, that base runner prevention. And he's right up there with anybody. Uh, if you would have told me they lost the game 7-4 yesterday, like Ranger just wasn't sharp. They hit a little bit, missed some opportunities. I would have been annoyed by that for an entirely different set of reasons. But I I would have said, like, okay, like I could see that. If you would have told me yesterday morning that Ranger Suarez was going to pitch into the sixth inning and not allow a run, I would have said, well, you know, they're going to wrap this thing up on Friday night. Mm-hmm. And 
that's disappointing because that lineup didn't do it. And you look at the ninth inning, especially with the top of the order. Like you go back to that ninth inning and you get the guys that you want up in that spot and they couldn't get it done. And like the Alec Bohm at bat late, like you get two fastballs down the middle, you take them both. And like he battled and saw some pitches and worked the count back and then he strikes out. Like, come on, man. Like, well, especially the second one, because the first one is, you know, you, he thought it was outside. It looks like it caught the, you know, the, you know, the corner yeah. and they got, and they got, a, they got away with one with a bad call by Aya Sonia. Um, but then the second one is, I mean, I know it's on the inner half, but you got to be, you got to be like, okay, I just got away with one. I got to protect, you know, anything close. Yeah. And he didn't. He just left the bat on his shoulder. It's just kind of disappointed. Which, by the way, talking about bad umpire calls, not that it changed the game, but it certainly had an impact in that ninth inning. What the hell was it on the non swing on Perdomo? Yeah. I mean, that was so egregious. That, that bat was a foot in front of the plate. And. <laughs> I got called for that he held up, that he checked it. It was like, are you see? I've seen worse calls the other. I mean, bad calls the other way, where you say, ah, I don't know if that went across, but then that one was well across, and it was like, oh, it's a ball. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Sleep. It was. It was bad. <laughs> oh my god, that was terrible. Um, I'm gonna say something really stupid here, Bob. <laughs> I'm gonna say something really stupid, and then, but I want people when when. When this series is over, I want you to think back on me saying something really stupid, and, and say, you know what? Maybe it wasn't as maybe it wasn't as bad as as what Anthony said. It's probably not the worst thing in the world that they lost last yesterday. Yeah, that's stupid. Go I, ahead. I, okay, but I'm I'm going to explain it. And, and in the moment, it it does not sound like a smart thing to say. In the moment, but I want to I want you to fast forward and say. All right, we have to. We're, we're going to play out. We got to play this a little bit longer of a series. It's certainly going to be five games now, so it's definitely going through Saturday. It may go six if they lose one more of these next two, and then you got then you're going into Monday, and nobody really wants to have to force it that and come back to Philly. I get it, all that good stuff. World Series doesn't start till next Friday. <clears throat> the Houston Astros obliterated Texas last night. Yeah. You were talking about a team that just said. Oh, the yeah, Astros you're going to win that series. You, you thought you guys, just because you won the first two games, were now going to just coast past the defending champs. Yeah. Let's show you a little something. And they showed you a little something yesterday. Yeah. That series is now going to go at least six. We know that for certain. There's a real good possibility it goes seven. So that's going into next week. Did you really want the Phillies sitting around for six, seven days? Doing nothing, waiting for an opponent while they're battling out through a seven-game series that goes that gets you through next next week, and then all of a sudden they're like raring to go, coming off of an emotional high, and you've been sitting around doing nothing. You see what happened with the Phillies got a little fat, right? Yesterday, you saw yeah. what happened. That the last thing you want is to have a veteran team, especially if it's Houston, a veteran team who knows how to win, coming into Philadelphia in Game One of a World Series. Um, you know, and not intimidated by the by the crowd or, or the moment, and you've been sitting around doing nothing for a week. It's the last thing you want. I'm I'm sorry. And so it may sound stupid today that it wasn't a bad thing that the Phillies lost yesterday. But when we get to get when we get to the World Series, and believe me, folks, we are gonna get to the World Series. When we get there, you'll look back and say, probably was a good thing. Well, what's the threshold for that though? Is it 
you play one more day and wrap this thing up in, in on Saturday night and feel good about it, or is it does well? It I mean, I think, now coming back to Citizens Bank Park because I would make the yeah. argument that like, well, what's the difference between Friday and Saturday? It's still basically a week. Sure, if this thing gets to the front end of next week, yeah, but I certainly you don't want to see that. Like, you don't want this thing back in Philadelphia, and and like tonight is so it's so important right because now here you go it's a tie series the, the series is tied up 2-2 you're giving the ball to gallon he's been better at home he just saw this lineup i know the phillies just saw him too and they had success but like now you're really in a series like what in, in what scenario they come back to philly down 3-2 and well, then that, they you got know, to- that you can't have good. happen that you can't have happen i mean look if they if they're up 3-2 and it's coming back for game six, which, by the way, Bob, you said the series was going to go six. I did. Right? Okay. You said the series was going to go six. I'm the one who went with five. Mm-hmm. So we should, we should have it. We should kind of be in the different roles here, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not. I'm going to be the more optimistic one than you. Um, Shocker. But if, <laughs> but if it's, if you're up three, two, then I think that, you know, you're, you're saying, all right, we didn't want to come back to Philly, but. We yeah. only have to win one out of two, and we got Nolan Suarez going in front of our fans where we don't lose. I mean, I sent you a text yesterday, and it, I'll update the numbers. But so far this year in the playoffs, Phillies are 6-0 and at home. They're, everyone else is 7-16 and at home. Just think about that for a second. The entirety of baseball in the playoffs is 7-16 and in their home parks in the playoffs. The Phillies are undefeated. So, like, even up 3-2, yeah, you didn't want to come back, but they're they're not losing two games in a row at home to the Diamondbacks. It's just not going to happen. All right, well, uh, before we get out of here, I guess let me try to pin you down, and I'll ask you what happens tonight, what happens Saturday night. Um, Well, we got to talk about – I mean, I like like Suarez – I mean, um, Sanchez going tonight. I really do. I'm I'm a big fan of of that decision in this spot. I don't think Taiwan Walker is out of the conversation, though. I think this is one of those situations where they probably are going to piggyback it. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised. Like, if, but unless Sanchez is cruising, in which case they'll let him go the five innings or five plus like they did with Suarez yesterday. But I, I do see a world where he throws two and two thirds, three innings. And if he, you know, if he, if Arizona gets him for a run or two, that Taiwan Walker is the first guy out of the bullpen. Right. So I do think that that's a possibility. Uh, it's the possibility that I would r- r- less like to see. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, bullpen games are not fun to face. I, I know that people get, you know, like, oh my god, they don't even have a starter. You should kill this, kill the bullpen team, especially when they're not, they don't have a good bullpen. But the one advantage is, is for the team that's throwing the bullpen game is they can kind of follow a plan of these guys against your guys, like who we want pitching against your guys in these certain innings. And it, it maybe makes that bullpen a little bit better just because you don't know the order that they're coming and you got to kind of adjust on the fly. So that just makes it a little bit tougher. Um, I think it's a close game today tonight and i thought the phillies were going to win yesterday but i think this one's a, a close game but i do think that the phillies will win this one i think that both teams will get a few runs in this game but i'm gonna i'll go something like phillies uh winning this one like six four that's what i that's kind of how i see this one 
Yeah, the uh, game total is set at nine. I think it'll go over. I do expect offense tonight. I think the Phillies' bats will heat back up. I don't think at, at some point – I don't love Arizona's offense, but they will score some runs here, and I kind of expect that to happen tonight. So uh, the way I kind of see this unfolding, however, is that they will – I, I think this thing is coming back here. I do. I, I think that the Phillies will get one. I think that they're good enough to not roll over um, and, and lose all three out in Arizona. One thing that we know about this team is that they are so, so, so resilient. We've talked about this really numerous times dating back to last season. Uh, every time this team takes a tough loss or you kind of think like, uh oh, here we go. Or, you know, what's what's the lasting impact of the way that that loss occurred not just that they lose a game but how they lose a game we see all the time bad losses they spiral into multiple bad losses this team has a a really unique way of just saying nope no sweat we're right back at it uh and they're going to need that again here now uh i i think that they they will win tonight i have a weird feeling about gallon uh in game five. And I, I do think that it comes back here. And I think that it's Aaron Nola How about this. I think it's Aaron Nola that, that stops this thing um, in a game six. And so I'll stick with what I said before the series, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I surely hope that it doesn't come back here. I, I really don't. <laughs> I'm not yeah. in for the anxiety. I would gladly roll the dice on, on sitting around and letting the Astros get all lathered up next week while the Phillies stand idle. I, you know, it's a risk I'd be willing to take at this point. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm going to stick with my prediction that the Phillies don't come back here. Um, and tonight, obviously, is the is the Waterloo game for that prediction. Um, you know, you lose one, and then I'm wrong, and then they, you're right, and they come back to Philadelphia. Um, but I, I, as much as you have a feeling about Zach Gallen, are the Diamondbacks going to hit Zach Wheeler? I know. Like, I get it. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, you could shove – you know, Zach Gallon at home all you want. I'm still throwing the best pitcher left in the in the in the tournament. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I think that Zach Wheeler is the best pitcher left in the tournament. And I don't know that I could compliment Zach Wheeler any more than I have on this show or on Crossing Broad or in a newsletter, but I just you know, it's a it's a funny game. <laughs> they lost a game yesterday where the starting pitcher didn't allow a run into the sixth inning. And you yeah. know, they, they found a way to not win the game. And I think that Something similar might happen on Saturday night. We'll, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, give me Houston, too. I will just say that. If if the Phillies advance, I'm not saying that they they absolutely will. Uh, but if the Phillies advance, give me the Astros. It's it's the only way. Well, yeah, and you get home field advantage against the Astros. That's a huge, that's a huge yeah. thing. And, of course, everybody wants revenge. I mean, that's a that's great cool. story. Which kind of leads me – it kind of leads me into one last thing, Bob. Sure. Ratings on TV, mm -hmm. they were not good after the wild card round and the division series round. Um, there was an 18% drop off in the wild card round. There was an 8.8% drop in the division series round. You know, all those casual fans that baseball was expecting to bring back come, come their most important games and less people were watching. Glad we glad we did that. Glad we brought in the casual fan. That said, and that's that's my that's my one shot at them for this. That said, numbers for the NLCS 
been pretty good so far. Surprisingly so. Um, and I think that the, I'm going to make a statement here. Baseball's thankful that the, it has the Phillies. Because yes. the Phillies have become a really good national story. Last year, they were only exciting to us in Philadelphia. It was a fun story in Philadelphia, right? It was great in Philadelphia. But I'm not certain that the nation kind of got into the Phillies last year on that run. The nation is sure into the Phillies this year. Yeah. Phillies Atlanta Brave series had uh, averaged 4.6 million viewers per game. Uh, and that was the highest average for an NLDS series on TBS in eight years. Okay, that's pretty darn good. So far, the Phillies Diamondbacks are averaging 5.3 million for the NLCS. So even more are watching against a lesser, a less exciting opponent. Yeah. I know the Arizona market's a, a big market, big right? Market. I mean, Phoenix is one of the top five cities in, in America in, in size, but it's the Diamondbacks. I mean, we, we know that there's not a lot of interest out there. The tickets were selling for 15, as low as $15 for game three. So I think that Major League Baseball is, is looking at this saying, the Phillies are saving our bacon because without them, they might not have very good TV ratings for their playoffs. Yeah. I mean, what the, what the Astros have done is, is it's, it's been remarkable. I know that there was some some cheating scandals mixed in there and stuff, but their consistency has been remarkably impressive. Uh, I don't think it's been particularly compelling to the nation. Um, the Texas Rangers, I think, in a lot of ways are similar to what you you said with the Phillies last year, where, you know, they're probably interesting in, in Arlington and in Dallas. But from a national perspective, I don't look at the Rangers and and say, "Wow, this is must see TV." Good team, a lot of lot of good players, and they hit and they can do a lot of different things. But they're not like a team that a casual fan I think is going to gravitate towards. Arizona, same thing. I mean that that it's like watching paint dry, mm -hmm. and I don't mean that as like a knock at their ability to compete. Like they're a good team, they're going to continue to win games. I think beyond this season, they're probably only going to get better. But, you know, you, you watch that series. Like, tell me what excites you about the Diamondbacks. It's the Phillies with the celebrations. The fans have played a part in the storyline. I think maybe to this point it's gotten just like, okay, let's like just focus on baseball now. I'm getting a little grumpy. But uh, there's just so many different compelling things about what they're doing. Like, Harper's a certified star. Schwarber's fun to watch. The Castiano stuff with with his son, like I mean, there's just every time you turn around, there's something pretty cool about the Phillies and and the Phillies experience. So, um, I think we said this, or I might have said this on the show uh, Monday, but if you're Major League Baseball, like you're not going to do anything to to dictate the outcomes of the games, but you are praying to God that the Phillies are the team that's in the World Series from the National League. I do know that much. Well, I'll I'll tell you this. Baseball might get their best World Series ratings that they've had in a long, long time if it's Phillies, uh, Phillies, um, Astros. Yeah, because a, a rematch of the World Series doesn't happen all the time. It would only be the tenth time in the history of baseball, and it would be the first time in what forty-five years or whatever it is since Yankees Dodgers in seventy-seven and seventy-eight. 
I, I think that would be a real compelling story there with all the excitement around the Phillies uh, that, that they've become, you know, a national get garnered national attention and the Astros trying to become the first team to repeat in, in, in yeah. this century, like, you know, in a rematch, like there would be such a great storyline there. I think baseball would get great numbers. And, you know, I want to say this, people are going to, some people might, you know, message us and say, well, you know, um, they're averaging 7.2 million viewers on Texas and Houston, which is even more than the Phillies against the Diamondbacks. I get it. Two things to keep in mind there. One, it's on Fox, which is a broadcast network. And two, they had a lead in on Sunday coming off of the NFL that had 26 point something million viewers watching the Eagles and the Jets. Yeah. Okay. I will. Yeah. Which was, so, by the way, like the highest rated uh, Fox late window game of the year. I read like. Yeah. Eagles Jets. I know. Well, well it's, it's New York, right? To, so, to, I will say this though, to to just combat that a little bit. I mean, Game Three, uh, which took place. I can't even keep keep my days straight here. Wednesday night. That was an FS1 game. So I don't know if that you have that that broken out by game, but like that game actually showed up on FS1. Um, yeah. But well, yeah, but it probably, well, I didn't realize that that was an FS1 that wasn't on Fox directly. Yeah. It was FS1. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Then maybe I am, maybe I, maybe Houston has a little bit more appeal. Maybe America loves a villain. Yeah. <laughs> That's this, right? Everybody, everybody wants to see the Astros lose. Maybe that is a case then. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, we will be back on Monday, hopefully talking about a World Series matchup and reflecting on the five-game NLCS well, victory. Well, we won't have – I don't think we'll know the matchup Monday, right? Yeah, I guess we won't know. Well, yeah. When is it? Their game five is tonight? Yeah. Oh, well, it could be because yeah, game six yeah. would be Sunday. Yeah. Someone's so, got to do it in six. Yeah. Someone yeah. would have to win the next two. Yeah. So, it's yeah. Possible. so we'll it's see. Possible. We'll, we'll see. Possible. We'll see. Hopefully we're not uh, biting our fingernails here over a decisive game six or a must win game six. God forbid. Right. <laughs> Just don't think the city could handle that. You know, as positive as everybody's been to this point, if the Phillies are trailing three, two in this series, wait until you hear the anxiety on Monday. Oh, my Holy God. Cow. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, listen, we'll uh, we'll be back on Monday either way. For Anthony Sanfilippo, I'm Bob Wankel. Thanks for listening to Crossed Up. You can follow Anthony at uh, Anthony Philly on Twitter. You can follow me at Bob underscore Wankel. Follow the show at Up Phillies. Make sure you check us out at Spotify, YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you watch or get shows, and we'll talk to you next week.